about to make a weird noise. Um, hello, welcome back to another episode of Out of Office Unfiltered. I am your host, Taylor Nicole. Um, if you are a new listener, thank you. So happy that you're here. If you are a loyal returning listener to my ever inconsistent posting schedule. (laughs) Welcome back. So happy that you are here as well and um, have not given up on me and this podcast. Um, Yeah. Hey, been a minute. I think, unfortunately, it has been, again, a month, and I don't want to make a habit out of posting once a month. But I feel like my life schedule is starting to take form. And again, like I said last episode, I don't want to make any promises or say anything that I can't follow through on, but I'm hoping. It's my goal right now, my one goal to, well, that's a lie. I have a couple things I'm working towards, but it is a big goal of mine to be more consistent with my recording and editing and uploading schedule. I mentioned in my last episode, one of my good friends, Kenzie, also has a podcast. And I texted her today and I said, I need a podcast accountability buddy, someone who is going to hold me to recording and to editing and to finally posting a goddamn episode So, here we are. (laughs) Honestly, all credit goes to Miss Taylor Swift for this episode because I so badly need to talk about Eras Tour. So I guess let's just start with a little bit of a life update. Where have I been the last month? I'm not going to go through my calendar like I did last time, but two big things that I talked about in the last episode were the weddings that I was getting ready to go to. I deeply slandered floral patterns and also the Taylor Swift Eras tour that I was going to the concert in Houston. So we'll start with the wedding, not the wedding, but so the wedding hasn't happened yet. The wedding is this month, this month and next have weddings to go to. And no, I still have not ordered my dresses. Unfortunately, I think that this first wedding that I'm going to this month might be shit out of luck. I might have to bite the bullet and go to the mall, which is actually one of my least favorite things ever, but might be necessary because I've procrastinated putting or ordering Uh, dress for this event so long I have not been able to decide for the life of me what I want to order and I think I have screwed myself due to my indecisiveness so I'm also really trying to stick to a budget which is something that I am notoriously not great at Uh, I'm pretty good at saving but I will like save I'll move the money to my savings, I'll pay my bills, and then like the leftover money that is supposed to get 
you know, spread out until my next paycheck or like accrue within my checking account. I uh, tend to just spend it and then I'm like, well, I have to make 50 cents last me two weeks. How are we going to do that one? So that's tricky. But anyways, I digress. <laughs> um, I also found out, well, let me back up. So an- another part of this whole attending weddings things for close friends was the concept of going to a bridal shower. Now, I've never been to a bridal shower. Actually, that's not true. I went to a bridal shower at like the beginning of COVID, but I had never been, I hadn't been in a while. And so I didn't know what to wear. Um, I was going through the same dilemma as the whole wedding outfit. And I ended up wearing a yellow like sundress and it didn't look terrible so I feel like everyone listening should be very proud of me for wearing a color outside of black white tan and gray uh I think that was big for me and really put you know the wheels in motion to order a colored dress for the weddings. So very proud of myself. I just thought maybe you all would be happy to hear that that is finally, you know, there's, there's a resolution. Uh, even the toughest of mountains can be climbed. (laughs) Um, that is so dramatic of me, but genuinely I was like really panicked about it. Anyways, let's get to the meat and potatoes, the main course Actually, this isn't the main course. I don't want to spend 40 minutes talking about Taylor Swift. I could do it, but I think that my listeners or my listen, my analytics, whatever, would be very low. So, Taylor Swift, Eras Tour, Houston, Night 2. There are two things that will not and have not returned from Houston. The first being my corneas. In case you didn't know, Texas is very flat, which means you are able to see more of the sky, which means everything is so much brighter than it needs to be. (laughs) No one filled me in on this one. So I land my cute little booty in good old Houston, Texas, And immediately, I am like, something has got to be wrong with my eyes because I can't look up at all. And it took me quite literally five days to finally say something before I was able to learn that it's just brighter there. And so spending five days exploring Houston without the ability to look up at all was not ideal. Not a good time, but Houston was a great time. Also, Houston is very humid, and I know that my 
brothers and sister-in-laws that are listening to this podcast episode are probably tired of hearing me talk about the humidity of Houston. This will be this will be the last time I talk about it and then I'll lay it to rest. It is so humid down there and I don't know why I thought of Texas as like this dry state almost like I picture like cowboy boots and sand not sand but like dust like desert (laughs) and um no turns out it looks like pretty much every other suburban area that you can imagine um with the exact same humidity levels uh actually I would go as far to say the humidity is like a little crazy. I'm assuming that it's just because it's year round and I'm just not used to feeling that sort of humidity in April, but I genuinely felt just like damp when I was outdoors all the time. So Texas, uh, yeah, it's bright and it's wet and um, that was a lot for me to adjust to. Uh, but I had a wonderful time seeing my friends and family. I don't have friends. I'm thinking of Taylor Swift. Uh, I have, I'd like to think I have friends. I don't have friends in Texas. Um, I have family. I have two brothers and two sister-in-laws who live in, um, Houston. I actually, I have three brothers in Texas. Oh my gosh, my brain is like spaghetti right now. Sorry, that was like 45 seconds of me having a level five glitch. I have three of my brothers and three of my sister-in-laws live in the state of Texas. Um, Two live in Houston with their wives. And so I was able to split my time and see both of them, and um, that was super fun. I'm so grateful that I was able to spend time with them. My sister-in-law, Sammy, hello. Um, she is a loyal listener. Love you so much. I had a wonderful time with you. So much fun, and Sammy and I got to go to the Taylor Swift concert with her sister, and we just had an absolute blast. That concert, oh my gosh, I completely went off on a tangent. So there's two things that will not and have not returned from Houston, Texas. The first being my corneas. The second being the version of myself that I was before Miss Taylor Swift stepped onto that stage. Now, hear me out. Obviously, I am a Swifty. I am biased. I don't care. I love her. That girl has basically raised me. So I respect her and I love her and I support her. But one thing that I will say is I think that you could not, you could be someone who is not a Swifty and you could go to one of those concerts and still have. A wonderful time. The performance and visual aspects of the concert were incredible. And I think honestly, like carried the weight of why the concert was so amazing. And that's something that I admire 
tailor for, not myself. Um, it's something I admire Miss Swift for is obviously people are paying a lot of money to go to these concerts. And I think her, the way that she has designed the performance of the concert and the show to be like an immersive experience and like a visual experience for everyone is incredible because realistically Taylor was smaller than an ant from where I was sitting. She was tiny. However, the big screens that they had blew her up. So literally I felt like she was standing right there in front of me. And also I don't know why I'm so obsessed with this. I thought it was so cool. She so when you walk into the concert at like you scan your tickets, you're getting ready, you're going into the arena or the venue or whatever, and you get these like wristbands and you pull like the tab and it's like a light up wristband. And I guess they're like GPS oriented or something, but they would light up throughout the show. And like, like, for example, during Lover, they, it lit up in certain areas of the crowd, creating like a heart. And I just thought that that was so dang cool and just something I hadn't personally seen before. And it was just really cool to like look out around the crowd and see these like hearts I guess, like made out of people or like people's wristbands. Anyways, yeah, 10 out of 10 concert experience. It was like genuinely so, I don't even know what the word would be, but honestly, this sounds dramatic. It, I think therapeutic is the way that I would explain it because it's one thing to grow up with Taylor Swift Um, it's one thing to blare her music when you're going through relationship problems. It's one thing to scream all too well when you just identify with it on a level that's a little too personal. But, like, being there in person screaming the lyrics of all too well (laughs) was just, like a very therapeutic experience. Um, And I felt that way with all of her songs that she performed. So I don't know. It was just, it was therapeutic. It was rewarding. And it was just so cool to experience that. I've never been to like a stadium tour for any of my favorite artists. And Taylor is probably my favorite artist. So It was just a really awesome experience to actually, I definitely went to a One Direction concert, but as an adult, I think in a, at an age where I can like truly appreciate what I am experiencing, getting to see Taylor in person was amazing. And like, I hope that she goes on tour again, (laughs) like in a year, because I just feel like I need to experience that again. I literally told some of my coworkers, I was like, I just am not the same person that I was before I saw her in person, which is so dramatic, but truly like just a crazy, crazy cool experience. And I just, I think she's the coolest. 
one thing <laughs> that I will say uh, is I think that Houston Night 2 got robbed with the, uh, the surprise songs, personally. I didn't, I don't hate any of her songs. I didn't hate the songs that we got. Uh, I think that they, I don't know. I just, I don't know. I was hoping for something from Red. I was hoping for Never Grow Up. I was hoping for 15, which I think are probably going to be songs played in Nashville. If they haven't already been played, I stopped keeping up with the surprise songs. But I just think, you know, that she probably could have given us just a little bit more in terms of the surprise songs but I still loved them um I still had a great time I had literally the best time of my life and then I came home and had to return to my everyday life like I didn't just stand a mile away from Taylor Swift <laughs> in all seriousness uh yeah I flew home went to work the next day yeah here we are I actually, I flew home, like, literally a week ago today. I was exhausted. When I got back, I missed my bed and just my house and my routine. And I worked remote while I was traveling. And if you work remote, maybe you'll relate to this. Even though I'm still sitting down and doing my work, sometimes when I work remote, like, too many days in a row... I just feel like I have no idea what's going on. It's kind of like when, like, you skip class too much and then all of a sudden you're like, what? Where are we? Like, what are we doing? Uh, And that is kind of just the constant state that I was in as I was nearing the end of my trip. Like, I was like, I what's happening uh, with literally everything on my laptop right now? But it's a new month, new week. And I feel like with my work schedule, I'm finally getting into the swing of things and finding my rhythm, um, which is nice because it only took me literally two months. Uh, So I really hope so, Taylor. I'd really hope that you were finally finding your sea legs. But that's why it feels nice. Like today, I just was able to do my normal routine with the new like obligations that I have since my promotion. And so it feels really good to like sit down right now and not feel bogged down by a million other responsibilities. So lastly, shout out to my Uncle Matt. If you can't tell, which would be crazy, this is a new microphone and it is god tier. It is amazing. I've recorded a few like test clips with it and it sounds so crisp, so nice. There's so many settings that I can't wait to like play with. But this is a Shure microphone, S H U R E. My uncle has a connection and let the guy know that I have a podcast. So here we are trying it out and so far I love it. Let me know if you can hear a difference in the mic and sound quality.
Okay, hello. So, little background. I originally recorded this episode last week, and it was just so long, um, especially the part that we're going to get into. And so it was like long and just disorienting. Like it didn't make sense. And I know in my last episode, I kind of mentioned how I just want to be able to get on the mic and talk and like not worry about everything and whether or not it's planned out. That's still very true. Like I want to be able to do that, but I think I was just like rambling and like going off on these tangents when I originally recorded this. Anyways, we're back. I'm re- recording this section and what I want to talk about is what it is like to lose a parent which is a huge detour from what I typically talk about you know in this podcast I want to be able to talk about whatever I want and be very vulnerable and open and I think that this is one of those things that I want to talk about. It's like not necessarily an easy topic, um, not something that a lot of people can relate to. Uh, it's not something that I think many podcasters talk about, but I think it's one of those things that can happen in life that feels really hard to navigate and is really confusing and emotionally just hard to understand and cope with. And so, yeah, I want to talk about it. I'm really only going to be talking about what it was like for me with my scenario, because I think like anything, experiences are, you know, on an individual basis. And so my experience isn't going to be the universal experience. I just want to be able to, you know, talk about my experience in um in the individual way that it happened for me. So, I guess to get started, a little bit of background on my dad. So, my dad was in the army. He was a colonel by the time that he retired. Super super cool dude. I think one of the coolest things in his passing is just the conversations that I get to have and all of the good things that people have to say about him and growing into my own person now when people are able to say like you remind me of your dad or you know I'm like for example I really like running and my dad really liked running and so sometimes I'll you know do something on my run or be talking about a run and my mom is like you are just like your dad like he loved running and always made sure that he was like running every single day. And so that's kind of like a cool thing for me, I think, because I didn't get to know my dad as long as my other siblings and I didn't get to know him on a super personal level. So a lot of what I know from him is through like hearing stories and other people that got to know him and so it's cool when people can say that something I do reminds them of him especially having heard all of you know the wonderful things that people have to say about him but so you know I mentioned I didn't get to know my dad very long before he passed away which is true but he also was sick for a long time before he passed. My dad had 
amyotrophic lateral sclerosis, uh, also commonly known as Lou Gehrig's disease. And he was diagnosed around the time that I was five, maybe, maybe six, um, and then was sick for about four years and passed away when I was 10. And that was obviously difficult in itself, like him being sick, because there were a lot of things that I missed out on. And selfishly, that was hard, especially as a kid. And then also now, like looking back as an adult, like I didn't get the daddy daughter dances. I didn't get to do a lot of activities that kids my age were doing because a lot of our time and resources like as a family unit was being put towards taking care of my dad which is absolutely okay but yeah my lack of <laughs> athletic ability um definitely can be slightly attributed to how I just wasn't able to you know participate in those things as a kid um and so that was hard. And then he passed away when I was 10. And I think the reason that this is a topic I really wanted to talk about recently was because April 26th was the 13th year anniversary of him passing away. And every year it's hard, um, his birthday and then his death anniversary is hard because it's just a very like stark reminder of everything that I haven't experienced with him and everything that I will never experience with him and I think as a child those thoughts or experiences were very selfish and shallow is probably a good word for it and now I mean I think that this is one of those situations where it's okay to be selfish, but like as you grow up, the moments that you realize that you are missing out on or like you feel the absence a lot heavier and harder because they're bigger moments like graduation, weddings, all of that stuff is like things that like you want your dad there. And so it's hard to not have them there or your parent there it's hard to not have them there when it's like you know from seeing your friends families or in tv or movies like this is like they're supposed to be here and so I think that's kind of what what brought this topic to my mind that I wanted to talk about and I sat with it for a while and was like you know what I'm just going to do it. Um, I'm not someone who like talks about my dad a ton. So it was just weighing really heavy on me. The concept of, you know, making an episode and talking about him and how losing a parent affected me and how I moved past it and overcame it and coped with it. But yeah, so he passed away when I was 10, actually from cardiac arrest, which is just like a common side effect isn't the correct word but it's like commonly what people with ALS will pass away from um because if you aren't familiar with ALS your entire body is paralyzed you need help eating going to the bathroom drinking um you can't speak 
So like you really are just a soul and like personality living inside a shell that you can't operate. So like my dad was fully conscious and fully there, but couldn't move his body, couldn't speak. And he would have to use like a, his eyes on his computer to talk. And so he was able to, but like, that is also obviously hard. There's so much more effort put into it. And so I just know, like, I mean, existing was exhausting to him and trying to have like hard, long conversations was hard for him because there was so much extra effort and strain that went into it. But that's a little bit about, you know, ALS. He passed away from a heart attack um, the morning of April 26th, 2010. And that day, an experience really affected me, I think, more than I or anyone really realized or registered in the moment, which sounds kind of ridiculous. Like, of course, a 10-year-old seeing her father have CPR performed on him is going to be, like, incredibly traumatic. But I, at the time, didn't recognize it. I was 10, so, I mean, (laughs) that's part of it. But it wasn't until 2020, so 10 years later, that I finally went to therapy to work through a bunch of stuff that I kind of realized, like, okay, there's probably... Like, I'm sure that his death has something to do with the behavior that I am exhibiting and all of that. So a little bit about 10-year-old me. I was your typical 10-year-old. I was, (laughs) um, I danced. I was doing, I was taking dance classes. Uh, I had some really great friends. Um, I lived a very normal 10-year-old life. Went to school came home, hung out with my friends, had playdates, went to dance practice and, you know, helped out where I could. And so I don't want to, it's not that I was like aloof, but I think I had just been so used to how my dad was and his illness that like nothing. And like, I credit like my mom and my brothers a ton and my entire family, honestly, like immediate and extended, um, like everyone worked really, really hard to take care of my dad, but then also give me a very normal childhood, which I am so grateful for, like grateful doesn't even cover it. So yeah, I think, I mean, I was just, I was a normal 10 year old. And then I think he died. And I wasn't anymore. I think when someone so close to you passes away, especially a parent, a piece of you dies with them, which is dramatic. But truly, I genuinely believe that. I think a piece of myself died with my dad that morning. And not only that, but I think an entire version of myself that could have been also died. I think the moment that his heart stopped beating, there was never a chance for me to be, you know... Taylor Nicole 
with a dad, <laughs> which like is so surface level. But like my mom and I talk about it sometimes, just how different I would be if I grew up with that sort of figure in my life. Um, but not just that sort of figure, like my dad was the colonel. So like just the opportunities that come with that and like the lifestyle that he would have wanted me living all died and like ceased to ever be a possibility with him that morning. And all in all, I think life was just never the same after that. I think my brothers and I all grew up really fast following my dad's death. And as I grew up and, you know, moved into becoming a teenager, I was really pissed. Like, I was really, really mad at life. I was a good teenager, arguably. Considering the circumstances, like, I was a fairly good teenager. In comparison to some of my brothers, love you guys, but, like, I was a pretty, like, gold star kid to have. My mom would probably disagree. There were moments where I was, you know, I'm less than proud of some of the things that I did. Uh, but... I mean, I was a fairly easy teenager to have, and although I was a fairly easy teenager to raise, and I mean, honestly, like, I only have one perspective. I know that, that I was kind of a dick at some points, but, like, I also only have one perspective. I'm sure that my mom um, has a different side of the story, which is absolutely okay, but... I harbored a lot of resentment and anger towards the universe and towards God and towards science for letting this happen to me. I was so pissed that my dad, this amazing guy with so much to offer, was taken from my life and now I had to live the rest of my life missing out on that. And I was so angry. It was even like people who would talk to me about him and explain him and like just tell me stories about the type of person that he was. I would be like, I would be pissed because I was like, I understand that your intentions are good, but you are rubbing this in my face almost. And like, I am never going to be able to experience it. And like, that sucks for like a, a teenage kid to to be feeling those sorts of emotions like that's awful and I I really do I, I empathize I sympathize like I feel really bad for that version of myself uh because yeah she just she was so angry she had so so many pent-up negative feelings about this experience that she didn't know existed inside of her that she didn't know she even felt that she didn't know how to cope with and, like, I think all in all, I felt like from the moment that he passed away, and I mean, I still feel like this a little bit, but it's kind of like paying a debt that you don't owe, you know? Like, something that I'm going to have to pay for for the rest of my life that I don't think I, my dad, or my family did anything to deserve, uh, and... That's a lot for a child and teenager who's already dealing with anxiety and, and depression. That's a lot for that for anyone to carry, but like especially a kid who is already struggling with anxiety, already struggling with depression, 
and does not have the resources or know how to obtain the resources to process all of these feelings and emotions. Um, and so I kind of like blocked out these feelings and, uh, just like, I really, I really shoved them very, very deep down into my psyche. Um, my conscience, I, yeah, I just didn't want to face them. The feelings that were associated with any of the memories or conversations or experiences were always either sad or just like negative feelings. And so I was like, okay, I just don't want to partake in any sort of recollection of my life before. Um, it's kind of like, yeah, like, I think when you lose a parent or you lose someone so close to you, you know, there's like, there's like life before and then there's life after and you are never going to be the same person that you were in that before. And I just, I wanted to forget the before because thinking about the before or reflecting on the before was just too much and it hurt too much. It was too painful. And so I just wanted to forget it in its entirety. So I didn't talk about my dad or what happened for a really long time. I also didn't feel like I really had the right to, which is so sad, you know, having coped with everything, but that's really sad. Um, and I didn't, I felt like I didn't have a right to feel that way, to feel sad or, remorseful or to like grieve out loud because I was a lot younger than my siblings. And with that being said, I knew my dad for a shorter amount of time. Uh, and so I felt like my grieving process could only ever be done in private, uh, which, you know, that coupled with me repressing all of these memories led to a very isolated emotional relationship with myself. <laughs> and this mindset bled into the way I emotionally processed every single thing else that happened in my life until I eventually went to therapy. Um, so, like, it is... Honestly, the topic for an entire different episode, but the first like real relationship that I was in in college, ultimately fucking shit hit the fan <laughs> very majorly due to my inability to process emotions appropriately and effectively because of my experience with like men dying crazy order of words in a sentence <laughs> um but truly i learned in therapy that um that i had associated death with men that i love <laughs> and so before i had gone to therapy to process this which was also just an entire journey on itself because i had repressed so many emotions so there's a lot of unpacking to do there's a lot of unpacking and searching to do like intellectually or individually before we could even really get into the meat and potatoes of coping but 
yeah. So, um, I just developed a very insecure emotional relationship with myself. And then eventually in 2020, I, uh, COVID hit, uh, went through my first breakup, handled that awfully, <laughs> processed that terribly, like genuinely, I can't even name something that like could have gone worse. In hindsight, uh, it was the best thing that could have happened to me. That relationship needed to come to an end. Uh, very grateful for it and everything that it taught me, but also very happy to not be in that chapter of my life anymore. And so I am processing this in just the worst way imaginable. And we're COVID has, is in full swing. We're in lockdown. I was just kind of thinking to myself and I was like, this isn't normal. Like granted, you know, breakups hurt and they suck and like everyone's emotional but I was like this is not like normal <laughs> something about this is like a little weird I've been in relationships before this point um never reacted like this to a breakup and so I was like I feel like I should figure out why I'm reacting this way by going to therapy or if not that, then go to therapy to help me process this because I'm clearly not doing something right. Uh, and so I go to therapy and I get to talk through my dad's death with another human for like one of the first times ever 10 years after like 10 years has gone by and I'm finally opening up to someone about these things that I'm feeling and you know, something that I had talked about was that I used to carry a lot of guilt for my ability to be happy or to have found happiness without my dad being here. And after having gone through something like that, and, you know, I learned in therapy that like, that's okay. <laughs> that you, when we lose people, we no one expects us to just be sad forever. In fact, everyone wants everyone to be happy again eventually. And my therapist had me talk to her about who my dad was, the type of person that he was. And she was like, I don't want to overstep in my response here. But from what it sounds like, happiness is the only thing that your dad would want you to feel afterwards. And so you shouldn't be so hard on yourself and you shouldn't feel guilty for being able to move on and find happiness. And I was like, wow, you're so good at your job. <laughs> um, no, it's a joke. Rachel, if you're listening to this, miss you, girl. Um, Rachel is my therapist. Uh <laughs> But no, she was, she's absolutely right. Like my dad was awesome. And I think that I feel okay saying it because I think that this is exactly what he, oh my God, sorry, I'm like yawning, burping, throwing up, shitting all at once. Um, yeah, he absolutely would only want me to find happiness after having experienced that. And of course I would love to have my dad here 
like 100%, no doubt about it. I would do anything to experience that. But it's weird because I also feel like I'm so proud of the woman that I've grown to become after he passed away. And I love this version of myself. And I love the perspective on life that I have. And I don't think that I would have this perspective or the morals or the values that I have if my dad's death wasn't something that I experienced and didn't have to work through. I think I learned a lot of what I value. And I think a lot of who I am today is through the lessons I learned by not having a dad here to teach them to me firsthand, you know, having to learn them through him rather than by him. Um, and, you know, I think when you suffer a loss that's so personal in your life, you, you've got two options. And I kind of came to this, probably came to this around the age of 15. But you have two options. This can either be your catalyst to do better, uh, to become the best version of yourself, and to grieve them and remember their honor by living through the best characteristics of them. Or you can let it be your excuse. And there was never an opportunity where I was going to allow myself to choose the latter. I was always going to choose the former. With that being said, like I never wanted to be someone who didn't grow and show up each day being the best version of myself um, or give my all, even if that meant that some days showing up and giving my all was only 20%. And I did all of this and adopted these sort of habits or values in the name of my dad because he wasn't the type of person who was going to show up and not give his all or someone who wasn't going to chase self-growth like he he just he would be more disappointed knowing that I like sat back and let the world go by rather than taking it by storm on my own and I never wanted to have a moment where I could look back and think like this is where he would be disappointed in me Um, And eventually I came to the realization that after having spent years of my life adopting the values and the morals that my dad had meant that he would never have judged me for or loved me any less for, you know, choosing the life that made me the happiest version of myself and for choosing the life that, you know, was the best for me to be living And so kind of segueing, I used to write to him like publicly on like Facebook, but one popped up from five years ago on the anniversary of his death. And it was just kind of funny to me reading it. I wrote it right before I was going to college. And it was just kind of funny because my five-year plan definitely took a detour. And I was always so consumed with worry that if he were here, he would be disappointed or he wouldn't be proud of the path that I did take. But now I know that he would. He would be so proud of me and he would just be proud that I was able to pick myself up and find happiness regardless of the circumstances that I can't control. So I guess this is kind of my public... (laughs) My, my debut public 
podcast episode to my dad um, to just kind of talk about that experience. And now, um, you know, I explained sort of what it was like, but I think, you know, I saw the post and I just I want to talk about some of the things that changed and a lot of what I learned through the experience of losing a parent at such a young age. So first thing that I just uh, switched up (laughs) was I stopped dancing. Dance was a huge part of my life growing up and I uh, ended up quitting and just not really ever regretting it. I grew to hate it and decided I wanted to be selfish and never do it again. (laughs) So I stopped taking classes and I started running, which I just think is interesting because my dad was a big runner. I didn't go to med school. Uh, I actually found a lot of passion in business and data analytics and social media marketing. So um, yeah, that was that was a big shock to both my living and deceased family. <laughs> um, I didn't join ROTC or the Army. Um, I joined a sorority, which arguably has some similar characteristics, potentially. Um, but I don't think that one's as surprising as like the med school one. I found myself, and then I lost myself, and then I found her again. And I learned that it's okay to feel lost sometimes because as humans, we are ever evolving. And I think it's in those periods of self-questioning that you learn the most about yourself. And, you know, I've learned to welcome these moments with open arms. I made new friends and lost contact with some and then made more and got hurt. And at times I hurt others and I met heartbreak and I felt the people around me love me back together. And I learned that not everyone is placed in your life to stay. A lot of the times, more often than not, they're actually there to teach you something and then exit stage left once you have learned what they were meant to teach you. And I think that that's really cool because that means that like the chapters of my life are now full of like dog-eared corners, highlighted passages and notes in the margins of all of the people who have come and gone and have left their imprint on me in some way, shape or form. And I think that that is something that my dad would be really proud of in itself, but also really proud of me for being able to look at life with that perspective or through that lens. I did excel in my academics, but I did also learn that what's really important in life is that you show up for what matters to you and that you do your best and you take it day by day because life is actually pretty unpredictable and sometimes we fixate on goals or GPAs or academic accolades uh, without ever stopping to check in with ourselves by asking, is this really what I want? And if it's yes, then great, keep doing it. If it's no, then stop and go do what you want to do. Which sounds a lot easier, but I think we make it more difficult than it needs to be. I think that when it comes to choosing our happiness or choosing something else, the choice should always be happiness. 
Um, I found my passion in social media that I kind of touched on earlier, and I got to meet so many amazing people, even though it wasn't where I expected myself to be five years ago. Um, and, you know, during my four years of college, wondering and worried about what to do, I learned how important mental health is to me. And I realized that no career, no path was worth sacrificing my emotional well-being, that I would rather study and major in something that breathed life into me than invest in a curriculum that made me feel alone in a lecture hall full of people. So um, with that being said, I also found that this passion for mental health grew a lot deeper than some of the other passions I mentioned before. And I found joy in being a support system and advocating for people to seek out resources and help to help their mental health. I found happiness in advocating for people and I found fulfillment in sharing the journey of my mental health with others. And I, I found that so many of these conversations were able to show me that this passion was really important and I could do a lot with it. And so I decided to combine, you know, my love for social media and my love for mental health and share these experiences on Instagram during the pandemic um, when I was going to therapy. And that has evolved into me creating a podcast to facilitate open and honest conversations surrounding the importance of mental health. And while I never did end up being pre-med, um, I think that, you know, the best way I think I can phrase it is although that I'm not saving lives in an operating room, this life that I've built for myself has put me in a position where I have never felt more alive. And just as I've always said, and have felt the last 13 years, um, all of these things are things that I would have given the world to experience with my dad in my corner in person cheering me on. Um, I would still walk the earth just to see him again. I would have done it a million times over to have had him at my graduation, uh, to hold his arm as I walked down the aisle. But one thing that I think has remained constant and unwavering about my dad is his ability to continue teaching me even in his absence. I've learned so much in the 13 years that he's been gone. And like I said earlier, I'm not sure that I would be as empathetic or driven or passionate if I hadn't felt the weight of his absence throughout all of these milestones. Something I had mentioned in my original note from five years ago was that it's harder as I grow up. Um, and I talked about this a little bit earlier, but it's hard when you grow up uh, and become more aware of the things that my dad isn't able to do with me. But in reality, it's hard just being a grown up. <laughs> um, and it's exceptionally harder without having my dad around. But, you know, I think that also makes it imperative that I continue to seek knowledge and that I continue to learn all of the things that time didn't allow him to teach me. You know, I think this one's kind of a hot take, but I think overall I learned that 
not everything in life happens for a reason. Uh, I say that because regardless of any reason that is presented to me, it's never enough to excuse a child growing up without a father figure. It's never going to be enough for me to be okay with the fact that my dad never saw me graduate high school or college. He's never going to walk me down the aisle. He will never hold his grandchildren. You know, I learned that everything doesn't happen for a reason because I think in a sense saying that this happened for a reason implies that I deserved it and I didn't. My family didn't deserve this. My mom didn't deserve this. No one deserved to lose him. His friends didn't deserve this. And so I learned that even though there's no reason for it to have happened, and even though it doesn't always make sense, that doesn't mean that I can't make the best of it by learning from it and in turn striving to become a better version of myself through it, which I mentioned, you know, spending a lot of my life carrying this guilt that I was able to find happiness. But I think that the person I am today and the perspective I have and the happiness that I found is exactly where my dad would want me to be. I know that was a really heavy episode. So if you listened throughout the entirety of this episode, I really appreciate it. I appreciate you and your willingness to be a part of an uncomfortable conversation. I appreciate you looking to widen your perspective, potentially on a topic that you aren't super familiar with. And I appreciate everyone for allowing me this space to be emotionally vulnerable and open about some of the experiences I've gone through in life. But um, thanks again for tuning in. And uh, hopefully, I'm gonna get my recording schedule underway. So I will talk to you all in a week. I promise. Bye guys. Have a great week.